What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning. Are you ready to say yes, yes, yes to spirit? I am. Welcome to... Ah, Leslie is and Tracy is, so we hope you are as well. So, um, Leslie, we need to do a little bit of a sound check. It sounded like you were breaking up a little bit, so why don't you just say good morning? (laughs) Say good morning and see if my cell phone is really working. You know, technology is only as good as, I suppose, the place where you're standing, right? Exactly. If you would uh, maybe adjust your volume down one notch, down, that might I can do that. Help. I can definitely do that. I have a, one of those voices that carries, wakes the dead, as they say. <laughs> That's a little difficult to do, but yeah. yeah, perfect for our topic this week, which is about yeah. grief. Um, and as if you're a regular listener, you know that every week on the show we take a theme and we basically ask the question, what does saying yes to spirit have to do with that theme? And this week our theme will be grief. And uh, we will have an opportunity to talk about um, what is grief and and how does saying yes to spirit impact our experience of grief. The last week we talked about self-forgiveness, self-forgiveness. And um, any connect the dots from last week to this week, Ms. Leslie? You know, I think that that is a nice little connect the dots in a way because if I am did something that I'm not feeling good about, I might be in a kind of a feeling of grief or a uh, phase of grief if I don't forgive myself. I, I think the grieving kind of uh, becomes a byproduct sometimes when I don't forgive myself and don't release myself of something that I think I've done, quote-unquote, wrong, then um, I might stay in that grieving stage and not move on into self-forgiveness and and move on. I think maybe as we talk today, we'll discover, for me, grief has a space, but um, sometimes I think I can get stuck in the grieving cycle, and and, and that's not a healthy place for me. So So you're connecting grieving not just to people, but to grieving what could or couldn't, what could have been or what might not have happened or grieving what did <laughs> yes. happen that you didn't like? That's it. Yes, yes. I'm 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 connecting all of that. Yes. Grieving decisions made, decisions not made that, you know, became decisions because I didn't make them right, right? Yes. Grief is a big thing. I'm interested to talk about grief, so yes. Self forgiveness I think is key to me to moving on beyond grief. Cool. So um, I'm right with you, and let's take a very quick uh, one-minute break. And if you're listening and you need to refresh your coffee or get some tea or soda or water, uh, please take a minute and do that, and we will be right back.
back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Leslie and Tracy, encouraging you on your spiritual path. And this week our theme is grief. So um, on the show write-up it says grief is deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. And grief is a trouble or an annoyance. So um, Leslie, you jump, we're jumping right in with a very big <laughs> definition of grief. You want to say more about that? You know, I think it is um, it is an interesting concept because when you say, when you were reading that, did the last part say it's a trouble? It's a trouble. Grief is a trouble. A trouble or an annoyance. A trouble or an annoyance. You know, grieving, I think, in its purest form for me is always very healing. Um, in its purest form. And then mm-hmm. when I get stuck in it, it becomes trouble. <laughs> I'm interested to hear somebody <laughs> else title it. I'm like, grief is trouble. That's interesting. Um, but, um, you know, I think grieving can become very debilitating. And um, for me, if I don't get myself to move out, out of grief, it can turn into anger and self uh, deprecation, is that a good word? You know, I can really kind of wind myself into a bit of a cycle uh, or a spiral if I don't get out of grief. So I think um, grieving has a place, even though, you know, I think about uh, traditional, sometimes some, some of the traditional funerals, traditional Christian funerals I've been to, the theme is, you know, we, we want to celebrate the life um idea of, you know, this person is now in heaven and having a happier experience and free from the physical pain. And um, and so we sometimes, our language around someone physically dying, you know, is kind of a bit, um, a bit manic depressive when we say, you know, it's a celebration and we're excited that they're in a better place. And then we're like, oh, but we're so desperate because we're so sad. So it's an interesting mm-hmm. concept that we've just kind of, it's like we don't want to fully give into this grief, and I think, in a way, if I fully kind of let myself dive into it, and then I can come up for air more quickly. I think. You know that makes sense, and um, there's an article on medicinenet.com or .org, or I guess let me medicinenet.com, and um, it talks about the seven stages of grief and. I think um, you're, you know, and it's it's the seven stages. You know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. You know, when someone is 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 grieving, and you you go through. But you, a lot of times, when I was listening to you, what struck me was that, yeah, I think about I'm in grief or I'm not, or or I have to get get over grief. Rather, our language is we need to get over the grief instead of we need to go through the grief. Yes, right. So you know, if the if the stages of grief are, you know, shock and then denial, then bargaining, then guilt, then anger, then depression, then hope. It's like we could be in any we could be going through the process and feeling like we're stuck when really we're going through a process of different stages that are what they are and are what they need to be. Good point. And I might feel like I'm lingering in one stage too long and when I'm really just kind of passing through it, making a natural Right. And sometimes denial and bargaining, for example, might even sound or seem kind of the same. Like I'm denying that this bad thing has happened, not even just death, but, you know, a bad thing that happened, a thing that felt bad or hard in my life. You know, it's kind of like, no, I'm just not going to, like, face it or I'm not going to deal with it. Um, You know, but bargaining can sound kind of the same way. Well, you know, we'll just do this and we can act as if it's not happening. We can act as if that's not such a bad thing. Um, and then we're so guilty about it, and we think we're still in grief, but we're moving through the process. It could be a good thing. And it's interesting because grieving, I think, you know, really honestly, when we first 
texted me, sent me this title, I didn't really think about necessarily the grieving of the of the death of someone, even though I know you recently lost in physical form your stepmother this week, right? Mm-hmm. And in terms of that's a that's what we normally think of when we think of grieving, we think of someone dying. But it's interesting. I I immediately thought of grieving, you know, lost opportunities or lost time or lost friendships or, and in my mind didn't immediately light on the death of someone. And I wonder if that's because I haven't experienced the death of someone I cared about in in many years, or you know, if I'm just more focused on those little. Well, smaller grievings. Are those smaller, less significant grievings than the grieving of someone dying? Is that is grieving on I know. a scale? I think it's the. I think it's all the same because our grief experience is about something that's happening or has happened on the human level. And do you know what I mean? It's kind of like it's all relative. It, so it's something that has happened on the spiritual level. I mean, on the on the physical or human level, and we are responding, reacting. You know, we are dealing with that in a human way, and so I think there are a lot of things that impact us. You know, it's a mental reaction. It's a mental and emotional reaction to something that that we don't like. We don't like the way it's unfolding. So okay. I don't think it's any you know if that could be a person mm-hmm. that we're no longer able to have contact with, and it could just as easily be like you said, you know a lost opportunity um or it could be um, someone who's getting older grieving you know for the time in their life when they were physically healthy and younger and more vibrant, right. And you said something about the human experience. I think that's true. Grieving is very much of a human experience. And I wonder how then my spiritual program or lack thereof impacts my grieving, going through the grieving stages and and being able to, you know, live beyond the grief. If, um, if I'm working my spiritual program, if I'm more into my daily spiritual practice is my does my grief kind of oh what's the right word you know I do think there again I think there is a really wonderful part of grief that it's like cleansing and and almost life affirming to just really get into just some deep well of grief and then to come out of it I always think of it as like coming up from underwater and I think that's kind of like a pure grief experience for me but um, when I'm not working a spiritual program or really having a daily spiritual practice that's when I think grieving becomes you know the muck I used the word muck last week I'm going to use the word muck again (laughs) and just in case it's not coming across clearly we really are saying (laughs) M-U-C-K muck it's a cell phone yes the muck, the muckiness of life, yes. But I think there yeah. is, a, there is, you know, if I'm working, as we always talk about, you know, the spiritual practice does uplift every, quote-unquote, human experience. There's, you know, we we go through the human experience. I go through the human experience in a very different way when I'm in a spiritual place than when I am, you know, sort of cycling around in the in the human realm, it does make a difference. This is true. It makes a huge difference. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm still, and maybe it is because I am in this period of um, of experiencing my stepmother's physical death, you know, death in physical form, um, that... I really am being thoughtful about grief as process or grief as a state of being. 
Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and I I think I'm landing even more strongly on it is a process, and a part of that is because I am very clear that. Um, I've been going through a grieving process probably for more than three years with her because at different stages along the way, as her health declined or as she faced different limitations, it was as if she were being taken away from me. You know, I couldn't have as much physical contact. I couldn't, Mm. you know, be... I couldn't see her as much. And at every stage along the way, it felt, you know, I experienced, I had a grief experience. And it would kind of go through a cycle of, you know, of all the things you might feel. But because it wasn't sudden, you know, it didn't have the same impact as if, um, you know, a friend about six months ago, a friend of mine had... um, a close relative killed in a car accident. You know, so it was totally unexpected. And, you know, then you're really cycling up and down, up and down through, you know, through the grief process, all the things you didn't say, all the things you wish you could have done, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but, it, yeah, it's a process. It's not an either all in or all out. You know, you're in and then you're out. I think and that's did you, what's, what's really resonating. Did you find yourself, as you grieved over the last three years, do you think that that the um, the final transition then was easier? You hear people talk about, well, you know, I knew it was coming, and like you're saying, it wasn't a shock. And I can remember uh, my dad was chronically ill for years before he died, and um, so there was a great relief in in many ways, certainly for him from a physical form. But people would say to my mother, well, you know, at least you knew David was ill and he was going and that had to be a better way, you know, easier for you or something. And they would give that impression to her. And she would always have a, a very strong reaction to that, that, you know, she was just as much in shock and just as much as, you know, um, you know, real kind of surprise, you know, the day he died because, in a strange way, he'd been dying for so long, who would have thought he would actually die? You know, so it's kind of like... Uh, yeah, I, I know... I, I mean, I can I can relate to how that would be kind of the way your brain would be thinking. Right. You know, that, okay, I'm, I'm used to this person being ill or having doctors in and out or, you know, even being bedridden, and your brain just copes with that. And so, yeah, on a on a human level, it would be kind of it would not be a surprise to kind of be thinking, oh, oh yeah, there is there's death too. I mean, you know, not just illness. So I don't know. I do I do know for sure that yes, it was there was um, in there it was easier because over the last few years, three, four years, you know, there's just been a a consistent decline in quality of life and in mobility and all of that and and in physical connection. Um, And so, yeah, in that sense. And when my brother, um, both of my brothers died in 2007, and when one of them died, he had had um, he had been diagnosed with early Alzheimer's, and he had, you know, Alzheimer's, and had it had been years since he recognized people and was able to, you know, family members, and was able to engage in any way in an interaction. Right. That, you know. And so, yeah, I think when you've had that, that kind of separation or that uh, gradual decline, that when the person dies, you still are sad, and you still uh, recognize, wait, this is final on a deeper level, but there has been some, pre- well, obviously there's been more preparation than if someone is 
has a heart attack and and you didn't you know and they haven't been in bad health or even if they've been in had chronic conditions and they have a stroke or a heart attack or something sudden or a car accident something sudden you are in shock you know i yeah, think, that, i think it is fair to say that you you know most 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 people are going to be in in shock and then in denial, just like the steps say. Well, this can't have happened. I just talked to them yesterday, you know. Right. Or this this couldn't have happened. You know, I just got a text message from them two hours ago. Yeah, it's it's interesting though because my mother really got kind of defensive in terms of people trying to take that shock away from her. Or, you know, trying to diminish her. Surprised by saying, you know, David had been sick for so long, you, you know, you had to know this was coming, and she really wanted to hold on to that concept of, um, you know, but I didn't think it was going to be today, you know, and, it, and, and it's interesting right, to watch. You, you, and you don't, you don't ever yeah. think it's going to be today because think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is not this is true for your mother, and it's true for you know many many people as other people as well. Someone is sick, and they've been sick for a long time. Every day, you're praying for them to be better, or you're hoping that they will turn a corner. And even when the doctors say there's nothing else we can do, most people are okay. I hear the doctor, and there are miracles. Or I hear the doctor, and you know, I hope I have another month with this person. You know, and you're focused on another day another month, another month. So you're not prepared for it to be today. Yeah, I think that's those exactly are, how know, she... I, I, yeah. I, and those are the games our, our humanness, you know, our brain plays with our brain. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's how we cope with the day-to-day challenge of someone being you know, seriously ill or terminally ill. And how does the concept, you know, as I struggle in my own life with things that don't work out the way I want them to or people's physical well-being not, um, you know, progressing back into health but seeming to progress more into dis-ease, my spiritual program uh, somebody used this word with me this week. My 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 need or desire to be an absolutist, you know, to to say it's either all in or all out. Um, if I truly believe what I believe, it seems like that that has to, on some level, um, soften the experience of grief, or uh, uh, or it makes me believe I need to, you know, have a, a greater sense of trust than I do shock or dismay or anger or frustration or those human reactions to grief, that if I'm, you know, really connected to my spiritual program, I'm going to see the experience through a spiritual prism versus a human eye and that that spiritual prism will kind of break apart the experience and have it kind of shatter out into deeper meaning and deeper understanding and, you know, a more um, a more beautiful big picture kind of perspective versus a laser light of, you know, this is horrible, this has happened to me and how could this happen and, you know, what's God thinking and I'm, you know, left alone. Do you see the, the difference? I know you do because you're smart like that, but I do ponder that a lot. <laughs> well, I... And just struck by I am simply struck by this concept that it's an either or. So it's a all in or all out piece more than anything else. Black and white, um, good and bad. That it, because I believe that it's it's a both and and not an either or. That I and can be completely that I can be guided by my spiritual knowledge and wisdom 
and at the same time, <laughs> yes, I and. can experience the human pain and sorrow. Right. I think that is a traditionally thought thought. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're getting a little wind noise behind you. So I don't know if uh, if you can do mute when you're not talking, or if you're moving, if you could be still or something. But a little wind noise is coming in behind you. Okay, I'm not moving. Um, I will try to move it away from that area. Yes. But you know, the so, band, I um, think is, and I, you know, and I think about my experience this week that, you know, I absolutely feel sad, and I absolutely feel joy, and, you know, depending on the moment. Um, you know, depending on the moment or if someone says something or if, you know, lots of things. Uh, you know, I, I can feel sadness and I can feel joy. And I am so absolutely positive that my stepmother from a spiritual connection, that we are, you know, the word that I that, that came to me immediately and has stayed with me the last week, is that we are so heart-connected. You know, we are so spiritually connected that I really, I know that her physical body is gone, and it doesn't feel as if we are disconnected in any way. You know, that if I really need her advice and counsel, that I will have it. I mean, you know, that I can literally say her name and, you know, and ask for advice because it's all, we're all part of one mind. We're all part of, you know, this universal wisdom. And that, you know, if it's something that I should be asking her, then I'm going to hear her perspective. It's just I can't pick up the phone physically and dial her number and get that advice or get that feedback. But you feel like you um, have that the heart connection so you can still connect with the essence of what she would say. But the essence of what well, she would well, well yeah, that, that her message, her guidance is there, yeah. is available right. for me. And that of course comes from the you know, the standing in the spiritual truth of one mind, life everlasting, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean I totally ignore or deny or try to ignore or try to deny that on a human level it is sad that she had to be, you know, that it is sad that her physical body is not present and and that I'm angry about the fact that she had to be in so much pain for so long, you know, even though the spirit, you know, so I think there is that going back and forth. I think they exist because clearly the spiritual side of me says she's on her own journey and there was a reason for her to be in pain and, you know, what appeared to me to be suffering for as long as she was, you know, for years. And that in at some level it was her choice or it was the out picturing, you know, not I sign up for pain for four years, so I want to be in the worst pain I can. <laughs> yeah. You know, not from that level, but from a there's some experience and maybe it was a faith experience. You know, maybe it was that she asked for or wanted to have an experience in her life that was that required her to live in complete faith, you know, and maybe that's how it outpictured. I don't know what it is, you know. I'm not even really going to try to speculate. But if I really believe, you know, that God is love and that God makes no mistakes and that, you know, everything that happens happens for a reason and that, you know, we co-create 
our experience, if I really believe all of that, then I have to believe that it was for good and some or some good must come from it. Right. In the context of her life journey, not necessarily my life journey. I know that's interesting. You don't think that that concept of good or spiritual meaning applies within the connectedness of the quilt of all of our lives in terms of the people that I am connected to and their experiences are designed to bring good to my experience. That it's not a random connection, that there's, you know, a divine design. Well, absolutely. No, absolutely, because I believe that we are all connected and we are all you know, having this experience within the framework, within the boundaries of, you know, of one mind, one God, that we do attract and interact with the people who are helping us have our experience, but right. our causal experiences are about us and our life experience, and then, yeah, we we are connected to family members and people and friends and coworkers, you know, that we are put in an environment where either we will be learning from someone else or we will be there to teach someone else. You know, could and, the and design in, of her you know, suffering could impact you. I mean, there could be a message of divine design for you in her suffering, quote, unquote, well, yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah, could be. I'm not yeah. saying it absolutely is. I'm saying it could be because, yes, the people who I believe with you that the people who we are in relationship with, you know, whether it's for a one-time experience in a grocery store where we never see that cashier again or, you know, especially when it's family or friends who have been a part of our lives for, you know, years and decades, that there is this exchange of learning and growing that, you know, we are in each other's lives in order to help that happen. But I don't believe it it is necessarily every incident or every conversation. I think it's more of a big picture thing. Right, and overall. So, yeah, and I can absolutely say that you know, you you refer to her quote unquote suffering, you know what looks like suffering. Um, sure, I got a I got uh, several lessons around that, around the you know challenges, around the depth of my own spiritual belief, around you know suffering and around her being able to choose. Um, you know, like why are you choosing the suffering? You know, why why don't you just you know. When when will you feel that you can release this physical form and release the suffering and the pain? And I had to realize, you know, those are my spiritual beliefs, not necessarily hers and absolutely not hers. And oh, so right. I can't project that onto her. And, you know, that was a good lesson for me, especially because I, you know, step into the role where I'm stepping into the role of being a counselor and a coach to other people from a spiritual perspective. It's like, okay, I, you know, I need to meet people where they are and allow them to be where they are and with their beliefs. And, you know, I can share my ideas about it, but I can't, I can't judge if someone believes something different. If they choose suffering, you have to let them suffer. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, very good. And that is well, I, you again, I'm saying suffering. It looks like suffering to me. Right. You know, so that person, and you know, might not see it as suffering. They may see it as this is, or they might not use the word suffering. They might, you know, see it as this is simply the experience of life. It's fulfilling their expectations, and I'm not saying this was true about my stepmother. I'm just now I'm into the hypothetical zone of you know if someone believes 
that life is supposed to be hard. And before you die, you know, unless it's a, an accident or something totally unexpected, your health is supposed to decline and you're supposed to be in a lot of pain until right. God saved you, you know, because Jesus carried the cross and had thorns in his hands. And I mean, if you if your line of belief has in it that this is a requirement to earn your way into heaven, then mm-hmm. you may not label it as suffering. Yes. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's why I've been really clear that to me it looks like suffering. And to me it seems like, okay, there gets to, you get to a point where you can say enough. But that's my belief. And, I, you know, somebody else may have a, many other people you know, have different <laughs> beliefs. And I think it's true even though in this case that example was in the context of a human being suffering and in pain before death and it being physical. You know, let's go back to what you said near the top of the hour about grief not just being about people but about decisions and past relationships and lost opportunity. Right. If I think because I... um, because my spouse or partner came to me one day and said, this relationship is over and, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm going to have, it would be natural for me to feel grief about this relationship ending. Even if I was unhappy, if I spent 10 years, for example, in that world, you know, 10 months even. But if I committed, a, you know, five years to that relationship and now the other person has said it's over. Right. I'm going to go through a grief process about that. And someone outside of me, you know, some other person may be coming up to me saying, well, I'm so, you know, you should have you should have ended the relationship two years ago or, you know, yeah, I couldn't believe you stayed in that relationship so long, you know, and, oh, you were, you, you know, were miserable or that person wasn't good for you anyway. That's their view from outside of me. Right. But I was in this relationship and I was committed to the relationship for the rest of my life, even though it looked like, a bad relationship to someone else. And I wonder if if someone else would label my grief suffering and I would label my grief something, or I would label someone else's grief suffering and maybe they don't interpret it as suffering. I do think kind of we think of grief, I've always often thought of grief as, you know, the negative, awful thing to be avoided. You don't want to grieve, you don't want to go, but, but, I do think in its purest form it is really healing and really life-affirming. And um, when I get caught up in uh, regret or guilt or judgment or um, those kinds of feelings is when I think my grief turns into suffering or into something that, you know, isn't working for me. But I think my grief, if I could just really dive into it for a moment, you know, it can really be very healing. Yes. Yes, I agree with you 100%. I think when we don't allow ourselves or others to have a grief experience, that we risk, you know, them shutting down, them not he- not healing. If you don't do grief, you don't heal when you are in physical human form. The human ego, the human mind, the human emotional state has to go through a process to, and if they don't, if it doesn't, you get sick. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's going to go through a a process of healing one way or another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... So it's it's not a bad thing, and I think we don't do I don't think we do a good job of supporting people as they experience 
grief. Right. And I certainly believe we kind of judge grief. You know, I have no two-legged children, so when a four-legged child dies, you know, I'm experiencing grief on a level that probably many people think should be reserved only for two-legged children. You know, I do think I've, I've come up across that kind of experience or feedback from people that, you know, well, it was just a cat or it was just a dog, and I think, you know, or it was just a relationship or it was just a job, that I think many times people do grieve deeply, you know, people do differently and at different levels. But in a strange way, if I'm uncomfortable with my own process, my own emotional well, then I'm going to be pretty likely to try to encourage others not to go into their well. Because they're like, oh, it's deep and dark and don't do that. Don't go there. <laughs> and kind of put, you know, kind of create a hierarchy of grieving, of what's grievable. You know, what's an acceptable time to grieve for each individual thing, you know. I uh, mm-hmm. Right, as if we can be inside someone else's mind and body and soul and know, you know, all, and, even, and as I say that, I also recognize that if someone is still in grief, um, you know, and it's been three years, since their um, friend died or since, you know, they lost their job. I mean, you know, there is that challenge about, okay, what is what is healthy, what is healthy and what is not. It's right. It is kind of hard to, to know because you're not inside that other person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when is grief just a simple state of not necessarily, maybe we change the word for it. I was helping a a woman in her late 80s get her house ready for an estate sale. She's transitioning into an assisted living and she still has, you know, good sense about her and good physical well-being and she's just making the choice to move. And, and uh, at one point, one of the boxes we opened was all of the, condolence cards and the information about her husband's funeral and um, she just started sobbing and I said oh Sally Sue do you you know you still think of Henry or whatever his name was and and she looked at me with this like real sense of shock or surprise and she said he died 17 years ago and she said of course I think and and think about him every day. And I think she used the word grieve, or I'm sad, or I grieve. But she, you know, used that concept that her experience of what she went through every day was, you know, grieving or sadness. And, and it wasn't, but it was, the word was that, but I could tell the experience was more a celebration or a joy in a way of who he was and how much she loved him and how much their love meant. And, you know, so it was interesting that she used the word sadness or grief when I got a sense that the experience of the emotion was almost like a a joyful missing or a a deep appreciation for what they had. Yeah, and that, um, as you were giving that example, I was thinking, yeah, like I will often... um, Think of the word honor, you know, how mm. how can I honor this person um, who has died or how can I honor all that I learned when I was in that job or how can right. I honor um, what I learned from that experience even when, you know, if I think of my uh, brother's death in physical form, it makes me sad. I mean, you know, I do feel sad that he didn't have more time. I do feel sad that I didn't have more time with him. Right. Um, but it's not a it's not a um, negative sadness. It is a it it does then trigger for me. How can I honor 
what he stood for in the world or how can I honor the relationship that we had, you know, in a way that keeps him keeps him present mm-hmm. in my life even though he's he's physically not present. And that so as you were telling, you know, sharing the example with about this woman, it's kind of like, yeah, and I'm and and saying the word sad or saying grief grief or grieving doesn't seem to be a match because we generally think of grief and grieving as, you know, emotional devastation almost. We think right, of the right, right. Yeah. That strong, strong you're not able to function or, you know, bad things are happening. And and I guess that's again a reminder for me that it is all about a process and you're at different stages of the process at different times. And you know that brings up an interesting because I keep going back keep going back to this both and and black and white and I guess would uh would an absolutist be the opposite of both and? Am I would my language be correct around that? That would be correct, yes. Yes, thank you. See, I just need to affirm my own thinking there. But uh, <laughs> that the idea of a spiritual, that if I'm really seeped in my spiritual practice and my spiritual experience, that uh, the, the the grief experience would be one more of what you just said, of a joyful reflection of a, um, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't be that... As I've heard Oprah Winfrey say, the ugly cry. You know, you're on a corner, you know, curled up in a ball. <laughs> well, the anxiety, you know? the anxiety or right. the, the feeling out of control. Um, yeah, the that why be or the, yes, that. Yes. Um, there would be not, yeah, not the fear, not the, um that it would generate then a joy, that an internal joy or an internal um, a, an expression from the internal out instead of the outernal out in. Outernal, where did that come from? I like that. Uh, from the external. So it's not so much um, that this was done, you know, to me, that it becomes mm-hmm. all about me, my loss, my pain, my suffering, my anguish, my anger, it becomes more of a, wow, you know, here's what I got from this. And, you know, right. the woman talking about um, really honoring the love and the relationship they had and how how much it has shaped who she became or who she has become in the world. And who she continues um, to be, you know, 17 years later. I mean, that's... And it's interesting because I can I absolutely have heard my mother use those exact same terms of thinking of saying she thinks about my dad every day and he's been dead twenty two years. And I can't even imagine in my life experience I have not had a human experience of love or connection that if the person died twenty two years later there is no one I would still be thinking of every day. Which is kind of an interesting reflection that, you know, that level of connection on a human plane that these two women shared with these two men, you know, may indeed be, like you said, with your grandmother or your stepmother, more of a heart connection that continues on every day. And maybe my experience in general have been much more of a human, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we connect to the heart mm-hmm. connection in the moment, but it, there's not that that deepest level of, essence of a connection that that I would continue to think about or, you know, miss or honor, you know, except for you, Tracy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it would be you that I would 22 years later. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that was a good save there, wasn't it? Uh, That's funny. You are a comedian at heart, yeah. At heart, at heart. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to con- I don't. I just don't think there's any. You know, even my dad. I think of him. You know, on anniversaries and different things. And I love my dad. Just the sweetest man you'd ever want to meet in the world. But I don't think of him even once a week anymore. Yeah. 
and there's nothing that says you need to fight right. him more or anyone else. I mean, do you know, it's like, again, it, for me it goes back to, this was advice given to me earlier this in the last week um, about re, a reminder. It wasn't advice. It was a reminder that each each person is on his or her individual journey, and they will have that journey in you know in their own way. Each one of us right. will have it in our own way, and um, and so we we do a disservice to our own excellent adventure when we look at how someone else has their adventure and say, am I supposed to be like that? Am I supposed to experience it the way that, you know, person X experiences it or experienced it? And so be envious and, you know, resentful if these two old women had this kind of love that I've never had. Sure, I should that's not a good thing. <laughs> and it's like it may Damn not be them. your experience to have. <laughs> oh, that's good. You know, and again, I think, uh, you know, that whole idea of being a spiritual, you know, having it be a spiritual experience versus a human experience, and that the spiritual experience is, in my thinking, lighter. And I think in some ways, you know, for my mom now, I can certainly say her missing in my dad is very much of a spiritual, joyful, you know, longing to, you know, stay connected to that sense of, oneness that they had there's no she's not pining away she's not putting up pictures of him or crying you know it's a very spiritual it's a very healing life affirming kind of feeling that she has each day for him and I got a sense that that was the case with this other woman as well and that that to me is the spiritual side of grief I think when grief for me when I really fully experience it and I've said that like 17 times but it's life affirming and I think there's something significant about that and I think I guess that's how I know for me if I'm coming out of my spiritual side or my human side you know I think the spirit side is always life affirming even when something horrible occurs my emotional experience is life affirming if I'm coming at it from my spiritual essence if I'm coming at it from my human essence then I can say you know all the, point out all the things that are bad and wrong and get into the, you know, irritation and, like you said, anxiety and discomfort and frustration and judgment? Or am I experiencing it in terms of the joy and, the, you know, the understanding and the patchwork of life that I don't know and the mystical things that are outside of my ability to understand? Do I, you know, celebrate that? Or am I stuck in that human existence? Because you can I tell I am determined to get beyond uh, yeah, that, you like this word beyond, don't you? Um, I, But I think you did hit something that is really at the crux of it. It's really at the core of, you know, how you are feeling. Is it life-affirming? Then say yes to it. If it is not, it's, if it is giving or belaboring, you know, an experience that is not life-affirming, then you know, notice that and make a different choice. And the yes. the pain piece is, is, yes, you go through that process and you're going to feel a lot of things, but are you, you know, still there, you know, a year later, a month later, uh, five years later? Um, if so, there's the healing part of the process, it does open itself to healing, but clearly the healing hasn't happened. Right. That's, yeah. And so grieving from a perspective of saying yes to spirit really is, um, you know, yet another opportunity for me to see my spiritual thermostat. You know, how how much am I living in the spiritual, my spiritual belief and my desire to say yes to spirit and everything or am I living in my human and I think that is true of most things for me that I take away with some of the topics that we have is that you know everything is just an opportunity for me to see how am I expressing and experiencing my spiritual program you know am I just working mm-hmm. 
my meditation am I just going through the you know the idea of it and not really having the experience of it um I can mm-hmm. see a clear understanding of that based on my reaction to those human things those human things <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what we know is that the humanness is not going away as long as we are on this plane as long as we are expressing in human form. I know you hate to hear that we know that huh I don't think we know that you know that I'm still of the mindset that I could transcend and still be in human form. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll start working for you. It's going. I'm working towards it. And you know, the grieving is an interesting, uh, you know, I think it's, again, it's an interesting human concept that, that, that I think we've talked a lot about, the, the whether it is, you know, keeping us stuck and making us feel more human or, you know, propelling us towards a deeper understanding, like you said, with your stepmother, that heart connection, that's a very spiritual place. And to know, to have that knowing that she is always, you know, continues to be a part of your essence on a very real level and not to just have those be words, but, you know, you really, I know you're really experiencing her on that, you know, beyond the veil level layer. Yeah, and, um, you know, for people who are um, Bible-centered, I mean the the entire the entire journey of Jesus. But if we just really look at, you know, the cross the, from the crucifixion to the resurrection, that you know, when you read the stories in the Bible, the then you would say mourning is appropriate. Grief yeah. and mourning is appropriate. Mm-hmm. People grieved and mourned the death of Jesus, the suffering and the death of Jesus. And it was the resurrection that then reinforced the point that, yes, this happens in physical form, but there is a spiritual truth that is bigger than the physical experience. And so, you know, even, at least for me, looking at that for just a minute, it's a reminder that, yes, grief and normal is is grief and normal. Grief and mourning <laughs> is normal. are normal. Mm-hmm. And you just don't stop there. Yeah, I think there's something mystical about the concept of the three days, too, in a way, you know. I think didn't some mm-hmm. didn't you just give somebody the command rise? What are you doing? You know, here I am. Don't you know? Don't don't stay at my graveside, but you know, see me and right. So mourn and be and grieve, but no, there is a spiritual truth that is bigger than this, and and so grief serves the purpose of being the bridge from physical mm-hmm. form to spiritual truth. I Ooh, like, like that. that. I like. See, there's the bumper sticker. There's always got to be a bumper sticker every week now. <laughs> and our time is just about up. So, um, any closing thought about grief this week? You know, I just, uh, I just always am fascinated how we can talk our whole hour, and it feels like like ten or fifteen minutes to me on these random topics, and we get into the spiritual side of them. So, very cool. Well. Fabulous. Then um, uh, we will see, listen, and talk with you a week from now. And um, in the meantime, we both just encourage everyone to to say yes, yes, to spirit, spirit. Play Whitney Houston. Okay.
Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.